This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law. Well, I'm delighted to be joined today by Roger Parker, consultant and coach to the legal sector. And Roger's also involved in Resurgo's SPEAR programme, mentoring 16 to 24 year olds at the beginning of their professional lives. I knew Roger from my time at Reed Smith, where Roger was the EMEA managing partner. And formerly, Roger had also been managing partner at Richards Butler and has spent around 30 years in the legal sector as a lawyer, uh, a litigator, actually. Um, so, Roger, great to have you with us today. Thanks, Nigel, and thanks for the invitation. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Well, Roger, let's just kick off. We're going to talk a lot about careers and decision making. And I think we're going to focus this especially around decision making. You know, you've had to make lots of decisions in senior roles you've held, but almost how does that apply to careers? And also looking with both your coaching hat and my coaching hat on. So hopefully the audience and our listeners will gain a lot from some of those some of those perspectives. Um, and I, I guess, Roger, let's just preface this before before I hand over to yourself with some for some thoughts. As you and I have discussed, there are many more choices now in the legal sector, different directions you can go in. And I think if one were to think of careers and decision making as a process, perhaps with steps or inputs, one thought I had, Roger, was what would a good process look like? I mean, perhaps we can begin begin just by thinking about there. You know, what have we learned, perhaps both of us, I suppose, but <laughs> you're the guest today, about decision making from a life in the legal sector? I think, Nigel, there are some uh, advantages of, of the experience one gains over time with decision making, but trying to draw some of the thematics out of that and applying it to the very beginning of uh, professional services careers. My first thought would be the idea of setting up a, a goal, an objective, with one's immediate decision-making and thinking process, but also in the longer term, where am I really trying to get to? What do I really want to achieve, both from a personal and particularly a vocational perspective at the beginning? If one can have that sort of general sense of direction, then one can think more broadly about what questions I should ask myself, what questions we should ask ourselves, and also of others in our circles and our networks to help us reach the right uh, process, the right approach, and ultimately the right decision as to what we try and achieve. And then finally, something around execution, mm -hmm. because the day-to-day -day operation of putting into place the implementation of what one has considered on that sort of wider top level part and what feedback one gets with a sort of what I'll call a coaching mentality, which we can sort of come back to. But how does one execute? How does one show courage in that execution, particularly in the context of careers, particularly at the beginning, where so often one doesn't get the immediate result one wants? Yeah, and sometimes I guess the dreams we have and some of the ways we look forward sometimes that's a few years ahead of where we we are when we're sitting there thinking thinking about that i mean um and roger just to make this a little bit autobiographical i mean when you when you were thinking about that you know because you've touched on there a few points around overall direction around your interests what you perhaps saw as your strengths perhaps feedback you were getting how did that how did that work for you either at the beginning or perhaps quite near the beginning in my case uh, i i did have a strong interest in the law Mm. Uh, and and it, it, it was probably personal looking back on it. But I think 
it's a little bit linked to one's experiences personally and, and based on that then one's intuition my mother was a uh, a secretary in a, um, a, a high street law firm and it had always triggered my interest sometimes hearing the stories and generalities but I never doubted that, that there was a vocational and personal commitment to the topic and then after that all sorts of things flowed from it so it naturally took me to stage one around further education in, in law in my case but I think this is perhaps relevant because when one thinks about these levels of decision making, if one is confident about why one is there, mm. is one in the right ballpark, is one on the right pitch, yeah, yeah. then yeah. I think one's made a huge amount of progress. And I do believe that applies to a whole range of topics, subjects and, um, and vocations, because then it's a question of navigating one's self mm into the right position. So as stage one, I was always there. I should say that I think one change, and it, it links to what you have just said about the options available today, but going back to the late 1970s, in my case, um, it was really, it really feels as if it was quite a flat structure because yeah. certainly from my law course, I think people only thought of going to the bar or going into a law firm. Whereas now, of course, uh, one can add several other options, whether it's in-house and in-house training schemes, the whole apprenticeship developments in recent times, uh, the, the power of technology and technology providers linked to legal services. It's a much bigger business than it was with many more options. So I think there's been a huge change there. So the enhancement of consideration of these topics is much more relevant perhaps than it was. And, and did you have any idea, you know, thinking back, Roger, was it something about, had you, was it the self-reflection around your, your sort of strengths perhaps and things you thought, as you say, you had a vocational interest. Were you also thinking, actually, I enjoy, I don't know, I enjoyed the research, I, I enjoy the, the, the analytical side of it? I think this is tremendously important because, um, as one looks at, and, and, and obviously, Nigel, this is something I could sort of throw back to you a little bit, but as yeah, one yeah. looks at yeah. the emergence and development and importance of uh, learning and development in recent years, certainly in law firms, the focus on thinking about one's skills, one's habits, one's competencies, and I very much support the proposition that if one can ask oneself those questions and get the feedback from others, um, by asking questions, closed questions or open questions, preferably open questions, I would say. Um, but if one can get a sense about where one's strengths really are and where development um, opportunities are, then I would encourage people to link that to vocation. I think with experience, one can get a, perhaps a greater sense of how one balances strengths, development points, with what one is likely to achieve. So should I really push myself down an alley, which perhaps isn't my greatest strength? Yeah. Um, and if one is operating on the vocational platform, one can blend these, these things together. Um, but I, 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 I do believe one ultimately finds one, one's path. And perhaps at the beginning, one is trying to get to the beginning of a, a, a quadrant, a funnel. Um, can I get myself into the right vocation? Am I in the right general area? But then I ask myself questions 
about, well, uh, what is my topic? What is my subject? Say, for example, I'm particularly interested in the practice of criminal law. Say I'm particularly interested in the practice of uh, family law uh, or commercial law. Mm. That might tend to point me in a certain direction. So I think these early questions might be around that. And then one can focus one's uh, research investigation and questions in those particular areas rather than having a huge platform to play with. And Roger, that takes me onto uh, onto a thought because you say once you funnel down a little bit, it then takes me to the, to the thought that we often hear about now a challenge for people is about building networks to get that feedback and to almost find out about you know well what's it really like working in those areas and as you say some of us have some of us have had networks some of us have been starting you know I'm first generation to go to university in my family as well so so you know that, that whole thought of that whole thought of actually how do I build my networks are, are there any tips and Roger I'm thinking also of your mentoring work you do with um on the on the Resurga program as well I mean are there any any tips there around networks that you would pass on to people I think the first tip, I feel strongly about this, the first tip is one's immediate colleagues uh, in the education system, in the learning system. And, and I, would, I would apply that to the late 1970s and yeah. college and, and yeah. university. Um, and, and I would apply it to um, very different uh, situations such as the Resurgo programme you mentioned. If, if um, uh, students and youngsters can 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 build confidence mm. through social, personal, and professional and business interactions. It's a very powerful beginning. It's mm. a very powerful mm. confidence builder, and confidence is a, I believe, a massive issue here. Yes. But for anybody from any walk of life, um, and just to say, uh, in my case, those examples from 1978. Uh, I had dinner uh, two weeks ago with some of my colleagues I met in that very first week. Wow. Uh, yeah. one, uh, one lives in Australia and has completed a career now working in-house, and I would say in-house, but also in a highly commercial environment on the board of a, an energy organisation. Mm -hmm. uh, one is uh, now um, uh, running a museum, <laughs> um, ha having followed through on a major a commercial career starting with law Interesting. Uh, there's someone like myself who went into management at a law firm yes and there was someone else there as an example who is still a full-time fear in a, in a very specialized area but my point being those long-term relationships build confidence they can build contacts and work ultimately uh, as one gets more senior but i would start there and actually, in time, you can get huge feedback from those people. But that's only one example of a network and interlaying networks upon networks. Um, I think there's quite a lot of work done on that topic itself. There, there is. I mean, one little task, I think, for people listening who are, who are thinking about, well, networks is something I need to work on and, and what do I actually need to do? So I think Roger there has given you a, a great example. But I guess what I take from your example there, Roger, is there was a lot of following up. You know, it's an activity, isn't it? It's a habit, it's a muscle that you need to develop. This whole thing of how do I how do I follow up? How do I keep in contact with people? It's not something that happens by passive activity, to state the obvious in a way, but you know, and often it's because we connect well with others that we keep in touch. But there's, you know, that, that story of you've kept in touch for 30, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is, with those people is actually something about 
being active in that activity yes it's it's almost it feels almost basic to talk about that in yes. some ways but i believe it to be more relevant and important today than it was then because yeah. there is so much more information now yeah and the speed at which that information flows in relation to a wider variety of options so the permutations are almost limitless yeah. and learning to sift information through different sources and sometimes through people and getting on am i doing the right thing uh what do you think of this sort of approach to whether it's a cv whether it's a uh, an application or mm. whether i should think about further training or development in a particular area um one is always a little bit concerned about what the expectations are when one goes into an organization or goes into an educational program one can help one's well-being through uh, valves that can release concerns yes. uh, by these discussions and by building this, and it can start with one person. Yeah. And one thing I'll just add as a tip there, I do remember working with someone who gave us one, one as a senior and successful ultimately experienced partner who said that his one business development tip was always to make one call one contact today yeah. when he knew it wasn't always the thing he wanted to do because <laughs> yeah. over a career it would create opportunity so having one discussion with a colleague or just having one contact and asking a question if one did that once a day or even once a week yeah. one's starting the process yeah that, that's great and so and you've hinted already there, I suppose we've hinted by the asking questions point in the network about decision making as we go on to sort of further steps, further steps in, in career. And I know that's something you and I have spoken about a number of times, Roger, but in terms of that, because you talked about yourself, you say you were in a, in a client facing fee earning role and then decided you wanted to go towards the management side. Um, so how do you. How do, how do you look at sort of subsequent opportunities? So let's let's roll our timeline forward. We, you know, we've for all of, all of you listening, we, you know, you've you've explored, you've used your network, you've got a first role, and now you're a few years into that. You're thinking, well, is this still to Roger's point? Am I still on roughly the right direction I want to be on? Let's think about subsequent decision making, um, Roger. And I don't know if there's either some examples from your management uh, um, experience of decision making or even career decision making to highlight here. Well, one, one thing as one thinks about transitions, mm. um, I think the process and the decision-making decision processes themselves are relevant to the primary topic which we've discussed already, which is how one sets about assessment of career opportunities. Yeah. And, and here's why, because I, I think, say in the practice of something like law, uh, in my experience, and I'm not saying this is by any means a rule, but in my experience, achieving um, uh, some levels of progress, development and success in particular topics builds confidence and credibility. So if one is looking at it personally, I was a litigator and um, over the years developed that commercial litigation career, but ultimately progressed towards management. Um, I think once you're in a particular position, once you've gone through the process, then other opportunities will open up. And for someone becoming a trainee in a law firm, then a junior associate, a mid-associate, a senior associate, a little bit of stage by stage, which is why it's important to get on the right platform, 
but remembering that one is just trying to always move forward. One won't go straight from trainee to uh, running a, an accountancy firm or something. So that's one thing. Um, I think though, once one is there, um, I think intuition is important. And I think it has a role because by that stage, built on one's experience, one starts to feel where one's strengths are and where one wants to go. So in my case, I was litigating, I became head of a litigation group, ultimately managing partner of a law firm. Um, but the, the process was broadly similar in the sense of what's the overall direction. I could see I could see I was moving towards another opportunity. And ultimately, I felt that was something personally that I wanted to pursue. I felt it was something I was relatively good at on the people side. So going back to the beginning, yeah. what do you relate to? Do you have a topic you relate to? Do you have some personal skills you feel you can deploy? On top of the vacation, you will start to get a drift. So I had that drift. Um, when it came to decision making, Nigel, shall I just say a little bit about that in the context of business yeah. or in the context of personal? Well, I think I think let, let, let's take the business example, because perhaps there's something because I'm, I'm just curious. We've talked a little bit about intuitions. So I'm curious. Let's come back to that. But but let's let's take the business example, Roger, and see what we can draw out of that. So if one takes um, one of the biggest um, decisions I was involved in, which was around merger of Richard Butler and Reed Smith, for example, to form what is now Reed Smith. I mean, there were similar stages in the sense there was an overall planning and strategic exercise around what is the general sense of direction, in this case, rather than one person of a business as a group of people and in many different jurisdictions. So what, what is one's purpose? What, what's one trying to achieve? Then one thinks a little bit about the consultation process the discussion process, the open question process, the coaching mentality process really with one's stakeholders and also with other people who may be independent. And I've got to say, if one goes right back to the beginning again, one asks parents, one asks colleagues, there are lots of people, one, uh, one's tutors, etc. Um, and once one's consulted around that and hopefully confirmed the general sense of direction and maybe changed it slightly and thought well what about that have you thought about that option and why are you doing that and challenging oneself yeah. then one gets into questions around I, th I think one looks at one's strengths because is this all achievable you can have lots of sort of I want to be a partner in the best law firm or the best accountancy firm in the world whatever that means but one doesn't get there straight away how are my skills positioned to get me to the next stage what are the assets of the business? And then in due course, execution, 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 and uh, slightly provocatively, consult less about execution. Consult about purpose and goal, but execution has to be efficient and effective, whether that's making sure you're writing one letter or one application, or whether you need to do two or 22. But there often needs to be a discipline and I, I do feel now for people who have to go through processes around applications that I have to say are much more complicated and challenging and require more diligence just to complete than they did in the old days. So again, that's a reflection, but I think those pieces of the equation ultimately are key. Uh, and we ran process on that basis. 
But I think if one thinks about process, one can say, right, I've done that, I've done that, I haven't done that, and I really perhaps should think about whether I should investigate a little bit more. And then I think a final point is timing. I mean, I have heard the idea that when one starts a new job or a new role, shortly after that, within reason, start thinking about the one after that, because prepare for the next role some, some time before you get to the end of the one you're currently in, uh, because then you've got time to explore. And in the case of um, the business exercise, which I mentioned, uh, we certainly did the first stage and the second stage right up front and before we got to execution, because you don't want to be executing at the same time as you're liaising with your stakeholders. Um, so do your consideration discussion and speak to people continually, continually, mm. and before you even really have to make a decision, if you can. Sometimes it doesn't work like that, of course. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I, I've been thinking as you've been speaking, Roger, again, about this point of intuition and almost what leads you onto the right path. And one thing we talked about, I think, in the very first podcast we did here was about being connected with your values and your purpose and your sense, of which was your, your early point here around which what direction you're traveling in. And you've, you've mentioned consulting. So I get consulting with others, I mean, and, and, and your network and, and the open questions and, you know, or whether it's your stakeholders in the merger situation. And, you know, we talk all about often about logic versus emotion in decision making I guess and what leads you to into intuition or the famous phrase the gut thought is that I should do this or I should take that job or I shouldn't take that job so so I guess Roger what we're saying partly is to people is make sure you get different points of view and nice varied perspectives to build in that probably that builds your intuition if I've if I've taken that correctly I think Absolutely. I, I think it's such an important point. And, and at no point would I, would I personally ever ex exclude the intuition, because I think ultimately the intuition probably drives the final decision. Yeah. Um, so if one looks at different, um, different processes, the role of the algorithm, well, uh, understand why one is looking at the algorithm and what it may be concluding in its recommendation to you to do something. Yeah. But ultimately, you make the decision and the algorithm is just another input in yeah. my in my world. Yeah. But um, so, so I think that's important. And actually, I should emphasize and I, and I don't think I did mention when coming to this question at the beginning or early stages of career, what are the values you hold? And, and I appreciate this can be more challenging early on, perhaps, because to some extent, one may feel one has less choice. I mean, one must yeah. start from the premise, you know, I want to work, I, I want a job. Um, and so there's a role for one's own values. But what are the values of the organisations you're looking at potentially setting up a career with? Mm -hmm. um, and again, because information is available, garner that information speak to people as much as you can about those sorts of organizations always paying attention to you know hearsay and things like that but nevertheless gather information and views that will feed your intuition yeah and, and roger just in terms of one very specific uh, point because uh, you know we've talked about you discuss and then you might make or you consult then you make a decision whether it's the merger or the career thing has there ever been any situations you remember where you reach the conclusion of no 
I shouldn't go in that direction. I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious whether there's anything, again, whether we can apply that from a business situation or a career situation. But yeah, if, if there's things where we, how, how you came to decisions you feel looking back that, that were saying, actually, do you know what? I won't pursue that path or, or we shouldn't pursue that path. Yes, I, I mean, one thing that strikes me about that is in the context of where one looks at a new business venture. So let, let's take a, I suppose, a, a relatively straightforward one in theory, but actually very complicated for businesses in practice, which is opening up in a new location. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I think it's a point I'll just tie back to stakeholders. So why would you open up uh, an operation in a new location as a business? Well, the driver has to be the stakeholders. Who are the stakeholders? The stakeholders are the clients. So ask the clients, ask the clients, ask the clients, ask the clients. So if the clients say, what are you doing? Why would you want to do that? Then there's quite a strong message. Yes. So um, I think that goes back to, I, I'm, I'm in the zone of saying, well, my purpose is to serve clients in these different jurisdictions because we've identified they have need. I then go on my consultation and exploration and I get a positive response in broad terms or a not so positive response. If you get a not so positive response, it's a simple example, but the answer is no. If the clients are saying, why would you do that? Well, I, I, I would think, generally speaking, forget that and say no. The ability to say no, obviously, it's harder than the ability to say yes, but it, but it operates in... Um, uh, recruitment, um, people joining businesses, teams build, joining businesses. But again, I think there are some similarities in the process we've been discussing. And I do emphasize build your own process, build your own process map. Yes. It doesn't have to be that one, of course. Um, the point is, think about have I asked myself the right questions? Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think that's right. And, and a, a phrase that I know you and I have discussed before is almost, I think you used it once to me, you said, sometimes with decisions or with careers, it can be even worse waiting for the fog to clear. And I guess from lots of things you've been saying about the consultation, the discussion with your network, with your clients, if it's the business situation. But I guess that also, it's almost sitting with the discomfort, I guess, including in a career point of view, until you feel it's the right time to move, if you've got that luxury, as you say, sometimes we don't have that luxury and I have to move either the businesses, you know, in dramatic situations, as we've seen, either the business is not doing so well. And so yeah. actually all of us need to go and find new, new, new roles or something. But in a situation where we're in a role that is open-ended still, I guess there's something about being, pa being patient perhaps, Roger, then. Oh, absolutely, Nigel. I think you hit a really important point. And I think it, it actually goes to one's day-to-day -day work. Um, mm. I, I remember when I first heard about the clear desk policy, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, across, across professional services, it's good to keep clear desk. Well, I'm sure it is really good to keep clear <laughs> desk. One challenge with keeping a clear desk, it, I, I'm talking about physically and mentally, yeah, yeah. not yeah. the thing, is actually, if you work to clear your desk before you go home every night, you probably you, you probably like to be there longer than you would otherwise have been because there's always another bit of paper or another email. So um, I'm not sure that is a great sort of concept because I believe one needs to manage what's left on the desk. Mm -hmm. One needs to manage uncertainty. So if we could all try and have, um, a, a, you know, 10% or an eighth or something 
of our unfinished business, our unfinished work, our uncertainty, and say, I'm going to put that for the night or the week or the month in the unfinished business area. Um, one can almost organize one's uncertainty. I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a moment that, that is, there's some uncertainty that is deeply troubling that one can do that. Um, but I think with some administrative stuff, one can do that. So um, the, the, the point about process is to throw up questions mm. and perhaps answers one doesn't want to hear. Uh, one needs to be able to manage that information um, because, it, because ultimately you can, you, can, you can just adopt a positive path. It could be the wrong path, mm. but it gives you certainty. Um, you might be better off managing uncertainty until you get to the, until you find the right path. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that old adage, isn't it? That, that you know, it's a, a, every strategy goes out of the window as soon as the first yeah. tank rolls onto the the battle path or whatever it is. So, so I think there is something there. Nigel, could I ask you? I mean, can I just ask you about intuition? Because I think sure. this is um, built on experience. Um, in, in your current sort of role and seeing what you do across professional services, mm. do you see intuition and feeling and gut instincts? Do you still see that being exercised in a world where we are forever sort of structured career-wise <laughs> and pay-wise um, and strata-wise and league table-wise? Do, do you feel we're giving ourselves enough uh, space for intuition? I suppose there are two different sides to that. I suppose, again, if we look at it from the organisational point of view, um, obviously there's a competitive position, isn't there, in terms of whether this was talking about pay or whatever. So there's all those pay structures and all the structures, the remuneration structures that, that go with that. I think, I think actually the interesting point here is around career paths and this whole thought of careers being less linear, as we've we've said, and being a bit more like a lattice where you might move in different directions. I mean, the the different pathways and jobs available now, I think, does mean that people have more. Well, inevitably, means people have more choice. Also, the organisation is realising it has more needs, often driven by its clients, who are saying, "Oh, we'd like you to do something like this in addition to your core service. Can you give us that as well?" So that creates ideas of: Do we build or buy that capability? Do we build it as a new department or team? Hence, we hire people. Hence, we create new pathways. Hence, people within the organisation get more choice. So, I guess they can move. A little bit more with saying, oh, well, I'm interested in this. So my values sit well in this organization to some of your points, Roger. I'm happy here. But actually, the good news is I'm getting more choice to move around. So and perhaps use some of my intuition, if that's what if that's what we call it, my sense making of I've, I've talked to my friends, my network. Um, I think, you know, these would be my strengths. Let me let me have a go at that. So I think I think there are more chances within perhaps a single organization, if we're talking about quite big organizations to have choice. I think from a career point of view, I guess, well, I probably touched on it in what I've said there, I guess that the increased choice in pathways and jobs allows you perhaps to think, to use your intuition more, but then it comes down to Roger, I think all the things you've been saying, you need to be active with your network, you need to follow up, you need to actually go and explore, you need to get different perspectives. You know, you look through your own eyes out on what you think your strengths are. You know, someone, a great, great coach once said to me, um, he said, the key thing, and we were talking about people getting feedback and getting 360 feedback from others about how they were. And he said, the key thing is 
not to know who you think you are in the organization. It's about who others think you are in the organization. In other words, you need to listen to other perspectives. And you need yeah. to, you know, to find out how you do come across. How how does your impact land in meetings or in interviews if you're going for a job or something like that? So I think there's that whole. So I think there's more room for intuition, Roger, because I think there's more variation across professional services now. There are more different pathways, different skill sets you can you can build, which allows you to almost find your way a little bit more than probably, as you said, compared to 30 years ago, where there was like two roles, like barrister or solicitor or whatever. Let's just take the legal sector. Um, again, it's it's probably true in the accountancy world as well. You know, there's all these new types of legal or uh, financial services providers or whatever. You know, with all the technology coming in, as you said. So there's all there's all of that. So I think there's more room for it. So I think trusting your intuition, but I think trusting your intuition through an active approach to it, as you've been as you've been saying, I think probably is is that's how I would answer the question. I think Roger. So I think the answer is yes. But I think you have to have your strategy, your process, as you said, to almost to guide you, guide you up. I'll never forget that, you know, a CEO once said to me, he said, he said, the one thing you need to get used to if you're like at the top of an organization is you need to make decisions with 60% of the information. And I, I just thought that was a really interesting point. And, you know, so it goes back to the point of intuition, use your intuition, but how do they make it with 60% of the information? They make that, they make that um, decision because they've actually, they've gone and discussed, they've talked to the clients, they've, you know, they've done all that exercise. And so there's something that they just feel and they just say, do you know what? That just feels either the right thing to do, or as you said, the answer to that, I think should be no, and we shouldn't do that, or I shouldn't yeah. do that. You know, either as a next step for myself in my career or for us as in the organization. So- Nigel, it, it does make me think, as I hear, hear, you, hear you say that, that um, we, we, we should remember that choice is a privilege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so yeah, if we yeah. get ourselves into the position where we can choose yeah. uh, or think we can choose or get, ask questions that might enable inspired choice to be made. I mean, that, that's a that's a real privilege. Um, and I think one needs to what we've been talking about is adaptation around that because there's more choice. Mm. Uh, we should be thinking more about how those options develop and pan out and asking questions is just a fabulous way of garnering information. Yeah. And I do think the ability to say no, because I wouldn't want one to think that because there's more choice and one can move around, um, that doesn't mean one should. Absolutely. Um, one Absolutely explores, right. yeah. one says yes, one says no. Um, it can reinforce the bond between employee and employer, uh, between partner and partnership, because it can make people realize why they are pleased that they are where they are. Yeah, and, and Roger, just to just to end, because I'm conscious of time, but I, I think just to end, that almost takes us back to the very beginning because it goes back, what we've been saying that, that there's more choices, more pathways you can take. It goes back to, I think in a very positive way to your point right at the very beginning of almost what field do you want to be playing in and what connects with your values, what connects with you know where, where you actually are interested, your strengths and all of that. So I suppose what we're saying is use all that data that you gather from your network, from your questions you ask to then say, okay, what direction do I think that takes me in? First of all, a first step and then perhaps as a second step. And I think another thing that's really come out for me in this conversation is the whole thing around and being patient and just sitting there with sometimes with a bit of not knowing and being comfortable not knowing, 
you know, especially if you're in a situation where you're in a job, so you actually you're okay and you can you have the luxury, as you say, to stop and think. But it's okay not to know for a while what the next step might be, because don't rush, as you just said there, in, into some uh, into a move just because you could. The other thing, final point for me, Nigel, is the um, is sometimes to try and capture these points on one bit of paper, just one. Yeah. Lawyer, lawyers like lots of bits of paper. Well, there's not so much paper around now, but nevertheless. Um, uh, but but if you put in the middle of the paper, what's my core? Yeah. What, what's my purpose? What are my values? And then the next ring can be something like what matters. And yeah. then the next ring is what doesn't matter or what's yeah. less important. Yeah. And that's another way of capturing some basic thoughts that can help guide this higher level discussion about where I'm trying to get to. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Well, Roger, that's been, that's been fascinating. Thank you very much. So we hope listeners that's been an interesting way of thinking about careers touched on some of the points we've made before but with roger there we've, we've spoken a lot about decision making we've spoken a lot about when you might take on a change when you might say no to a change and roger it's been great to hear your perspective as you say of how you've applied almost similar methodologies to the well not how you've applied but how one could think of methodologies where it's might about a business decision when you were in a senior management role and how that can apply to careers i mean i've just found that really interesting those parallels there so we hope you've enjoyed that session we'll put the show notes up as well and uh hope you'll listen to another episode of reimagine all soon roger thank you very much thank you bye-bye